You're listening to My Wedding Season, the podcast. I'm your host, Ida Glovic. I photograph intimate weddings and elopements in Europe. This is the show where I provide overwhelmed wedding photographers with the inspiration, tools, and resources needed to build a thriving brand and business. Welcome back to My Wedding Season, the podcast. Today's episode is a little different from the rest. I've always been curious to learn more about film photography and figured that there are many of you out there who would like to have a little behind the scenes look at how one shoots film on weddings. I was fortunate enough to get Kaya Crittenden to come on the podcast to share about her work as a hybrid shooter, which means she shoots both digital and film. What we're going to get on this episode today is just a small taste of what it means to shoot film. But if you want to go a step further and actually pursue it, be sure to get in touch with Kaya because she offers education for photographers. So let's get into it. Yeah, awesome. So Kaya, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to chat with you about the beauty of film photography on weddings. So if you can just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got into film photography and weddings, a little bit about your story would be cool to hear about it. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really, really excited about this chat. Um, So I'm Kaya Crittenden and I started my photography business, um, Kaya C Photography, officially, I don't know, I have a few official like start dates. Um, I got my website in 2013 and I got, I think my first few paying clients that year. And then I kind of count 2014 as my first official year because that, that's when I shot my first wedding. Um, and then 2016, I went full-time. So that's kind of the like trajectory of the last few years. And um, I specialize in weddings and um, anything kind of related with couples, whether that's engagement sessions or um, anniversaries. Um, And then, of course, once people get married, they start having babies and making families. So I do a lot of maternity and family, a little bit of family photos, too. But um, before I was even, you know, thinking of photography as a as a job or a career or a business, I fell in love with it way back as far as I think fifth or sixth grade. I can remember um, having a little disposable camera. My um, my dad was a photographer. He's all around just a very creative guy and so grew up um, with him always having a camera or a video camera around with me and my family Um, and then his dad was also a photographer and an artist and wow really so back in the day yeah so I think it's just in my blood to want to be always taking pictures and just being creative Um, and just a few years ago I also learned that Uh, Like I always knew my grandfather was a photographer, but I didn't know he actually photographed weddings too. So when I found out, when I found that out, I was just shocked and amazed and just, oh my gosh, so cool that it, it really did, you know, go down the line and and make it to me. Um, And obviously, so film is just the origin of photography from the beginning, but um, I don't know when digital photography really came about, maybe the 90s or the early 2000s. I'm not sure yeah. either, to be honest. <laughs> I know, I didn't, I don't know the exact timing, but when I first started taking pictures, it was definitely on little, like I said, disposable film cameras. And um, 
And then I think I got like a small little point and shoot digital camera in sixth or seventh grade. But um, I took a film photography class, like a dark room, black and white film class in uh, high school in my freshman year. And um, that's when I really, really fell in love with film because, you know, it was a whole semester of being in the dark room and learning just learning photography, but learning it at its core with, you know, auto or sorry, manual adjustments, learning all of the manual adjustments. And then, you know, with film, you take the picture, but you don't see it right away, obviously. Um, And so just learning how to trust what I'm doing, um, trusting that my settings are right, trusting that what I see is what's going to come out. And then um, it really did feel like magic in a sense going from taking the picture to developing it to actually having the print in my hands of oh my gosh like I took this and I had no idea but it this is how it turned out and um yeah so I I fell in love with all things film and darkroom I think that was 2006 but when um a few years later I got a digital camera like a DSLR for my 16th birthday and then I just kind of ran with digital photography from then I think I maybe had one or two film cameras on the side but didn't use them very often and then um over also again over the years over just loving photography more and more um I was still always shooting digital for client work but um like I said I had these film cameras and I did really like using them so I would pull them out every so often for just fun stuff, vacation, or, you know, anytime I remembered, I would just kind of use it for the personal work, but digital was always for the paid client work. And then, um, gosh, I feel like I'm rambling, but. No, I'm, uh, I'm listening intensely <laughs> yeah. because it's super interesting to see like okay. the process that got you there. So go for it. And then yeah. I will ask questions in between. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a process because it wasn't just like a one and done, I'm doing this now. It's it's always been, um, like I said, film's always been there, but in 2020, um, a great, great friend of mine who's also a photographer, um, her name's Tori. Um, I was with her up in DC. She had just um, that same year started um, shooting film for her client work and was learning a lot more about it. And I, you know, I told her, you know, I know, I know a film, I know how to use it, but I'm scared to bring it on a client session because what if it doesn't turn out? What happens? I hear you. Yeah, I lose all the photos, you know. So she basically um, she let me use her medium format camera, which I also had. I don't think I had used often because you know there's different formats of film. Yeah. Um, so she was just saying, "Here's here's my medium format camera. You can take pictures of me and my husband. We'll just go out to the city." pose a little bit, try it out. Um, there's no pressure because you, you know, it's, it's just us. We're your friends. Don't worry about it. If it works out cool, if not, no worries. So I went out, took some pictures of them. I don't even know, maybe two or three rolls. I was very, very nervous. Um, and then got them developed and they blew me away. Like the pictures turned out so good and kind of even side by side. So I was also shooting some digital photos at the same time. But when I pulled up the film, once I got the scans back, pulled up an edited digital photo, 
every single time the film photo just looked better the colors were better the skin tones were better the yes um, it just felt better from that film and so after that basically Tori kind of pushed me off the ledge to just dive right into shooting more film for um for client work and so that was I think July 20 July 2020 and then ever since then I've been shooting I've been taking film cameras with me to all of my weddings and all of my sessions for almost two years now. Yeah, wow. And how were you able to introduce it into your business? Because I'm sure like the first wedding you you shot film, it must have been mm -hmm. nerve wracking. Like even mm -hmm. me thinking, considering one day to do that, I, I don't know, I'm super intimidated. And just like the first yeah. step, <laughs> me taking it, talking to you, learning more about it. Yeah, it definitely was intimidating, but, um, and every, every time it, it is a little bit, there's always just that little tiny, tiny bit of doubt of, is this actually going to work? And every time I get the scans back and see the photos, I, it, it really does eliminate that fear because in these past two years, I don't think I've had anything go wrong where, you know, a whole roll of film is ruined or something gets lost in the mail or, nothing's nothing bad has happened yet thank god and so once i do see how good the photos turn out it builds that confidence and it really does eliminate that that fear but um how how did i start incorporating it i just would bring film with me to every wedding i started renting film cameras um i bought i bought one that was on the less expensive side um that fits the same lenses as my digital cameras so um, that was really helpful. It feels and looks and works a lot like, like, like my digital camera. So I wasn't too worried about, you know, um, I didn't have to think too much. I, it just felt exactly the same. So started bringing that to all my sessions. And then I've been, again, renting cameras. It just has taken a ton of practice, both um, on actual sessions and just in everyday life. I find myself find myself shooting more just because you have to experiment with film because the lighting, the colors, um, even the types of film are so different that I, I now know, okay, if I want to try this new film before I bring it into a wedding or a session, let me do a test roll on my friends or just walk around the neighborhood and, and see how it works out. But um, yeah, that's how I started. It, it's just, I just took the leap. I didn't, I, you know, kind of eased into it. But for the most part, I was just like, I'm a film photographer now. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, incredible. And I mean, it would be fair to call you a hybrid photographer, right? Because you are doing mm -hmm. both on the wedding. So you definitely have that digital backup, especially I can imagine for those fast moving moments, like the first kiss yeah. or anything, you would <laughs> most likely yeah. just like fire shoot on a digital. And then for those slow pace, definitely like, when you're shooting the couple, posing them, I can tell from your work, most of them are then taken with a film camera. It has this soft, dreamy feel to them, yeah. which I, I totally love. And it just looks gorgeous. Um, before I move on to that, I just want to backtrack and ask you, like, when you're talking about film roles and the differences, can you speak more to the technical side of that? Because, I mean, when we're having this conversation, just remember, I 
I barely know anything about film. So I might ask the most basic questions, but I'm sure the listeners might be on the same level as I am. So we might need to take it to like ground level. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Um, There's basically three formats of film cameras. And um, if there are any like super experts listening to this, that might be wrong. But what I know of is there's three. There's small, medium, and large. Small is basically 35 millimeter, um, which is the same as a little disposable camera. It's the more popular version when someone thinks of film. Um, It's in a roll, maybe a two inches tall, um, and that holds 36 images on each roll. So you have, you load it in your camera and you have 36 frames and that's it. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of small format. And then medium format obviously is a little bit bigger. Right. And those cameras, um, that film is, is also bigger in size and um, it takes less photos. So once you, you load that in your camera, that usually has, it depends on the camera, but anywhere from 10 to 16 images per roll. Um, so 36, then, you know, 10 to 16, and then large format is really big. Usually those cameras, I mean, they're huge. Sometimes they have to sit on a tripod or like a stand. Um, I've never used those. I've gotten my photo taken on one of those before, but they're really, really big. And sometimes it's only one frame per kind of like roll of film. Right. It's kind of a roll, but it's just large. So, um, Small and medium are, you know, the most popular, but, um, and then within, you know, within the film, there's different um, stocks of film. That's what they call it. But, you know, the brands are kind of like Kodak, Fuji, um, I think Ilford, so many, so many that I'm like not even remembering, but each brand has a different film stock because, the chemicals and the way the film is created, um, once it once light hits it, it'll render colors differently. And then there's obviously color in black and white, but um, there's different speeds of film too. So kind of like with ISO, there's a 400 speed film, 100, 200, 1600, 3200. Right. And that goes into like the science of how grainy a photo is or how much light it needs to, um, you know, for the film to expose itself correctly. Um, So there's endless opportunities with film and with speeds and with formats and all of that. (laughs) Yeah, and I saw that you use a Kodak Portra 400 and 800. So if you can speak to why you use that film stock and what kind of results it's getting you on wedding. Yeah, those two, um, so Portra 400 and 800, are my go-tos just because um, they're the most consistent for me and for my style. And um, obviously as a black woman, I shoot a lot of black and brown couples and people. And uh, I just found that the other kind of more popular film stock is Fuji 400. And kind of in comparison, I noticed that Kodak brings out brown skin tones 
nat- more naturally and honestly just more beautifully and golden than than I've to life probably was. yeah and I I always want to make sure um, that my images look as real as possible you know I don't want my couples to look back and say that doesn't look like our skin that doesn't look like our colors or that looks kind of weird so typically so basically I just defaulted to Kodak Portra 400 because um, it also I mean it works on all skin tones but it I found it works really really well for um, black people and brown people and and I do a lot of mixed race couples so maybe one person is very very fair and one person is dark and and Kodak just Portra just does that really well um, and then um, with black and white film, I use all different types because I haven't found that those um, affect skin tones too much and they're just fun to experiment with. Um, but I've been using, like I said, I, I still shoot some film for personal work, vacation or just everyday life. And there's some other really cool films that um, bring out colors really cool. There's one called Ektar 100 and it's really, really, punchy and bright and saturated. I took that on a trip, a family trip last year and I loved it, but I was like, I don't think I can use this for client work because it might not it won't fully fit in. represent my style. Yeah, but it's awesome for just everyday kind of vacation and everyday life. Yeah. One thing I feel like I've noticed, it's not that I know many film photographers, but the ones that I do know, their edited work is more what we would call in the industry bright and airy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I see more of the darker ones. Is it, do you feel like film photography on weddings, like it's better for editing in that way or it's just, you know, scanned in, delivered to you and that's how it comes out? Is there a reason why, like, do you feel like there's the majority bright and airy photographers are using more film? Have you noticed that? It's just something I feel like I've noticed. Is there yeah. something there? I, I think it's, it mainly leans that way because film, when you shoot on film, it needs a lot of light to even work. Um, mm-hmm. so, and it's kind of opposite with a digital camera. Like with the, when you shoot on digital, if something, if you're in a dark room or if you don't have enough light and you're shooting raw, you know, you can, you can brighten that photo up later. Yeah. Um, you can save the, save the shadows bring, bring some light back into it. So you can still use that like darker feel in a film, in a digital photo, but with film, um, for the most part, um, like I said, it needs a lot of light. So if you underexpose a film photo, if you don't have enough light, um, it's not even that, you know, you can save it later. Um, it's just muddy. It, it does not look good. It doesn't, It doesn't render colors correctly. It, it almost like, it doesn't hurt your eye to look at it, but you're like, this doesn't look right. Something's wrong. Because like I said, it needs a lot of color or it needs a lot of light Light. to, to do anything. So I think that's why, um, photos, film photographers tend to just have lighter, brighter photos because there's just so much light is needed. Um, but there's always ways to, um, you can still, I know plenty of photographers that shoot film and aren't super bright, aren't super airy. There's, um, yeah, there's just ways to like manipulate your, um, 
your your like subject or manipulate the film or you just have to know your film and your cameras really really well to say um I know what I'm seeing is bright but I can um expose it in a way that doesn't blow out and make it like a light and airy um trend or or style um and I kind of do a mix I think I'm I, I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle between dark and light yeah it's um, not too bright on your work it still yeah. tends to the bright side I would say but I've seen yeah. definitely way brighter yeah right right and I I think you know if I'm shooting something and it's bright I'm going like the photo is just going to turn out that way but if I'm shooting something and it's darker I want it to stay true to that sense too so um yeah there's there's ways to do both dark and light but um yeah for the most part because film just you need a lot of light to shoot with it I don't I don't shoot film in dark rooms unless I have a tripod or unless I'm really really trying to um or if I have flash or if I'm experimenting because um and the thing is too you can't really manipulate ISO as much as you can on you know on a digital camera you can go up to like ISO 10,000 or something oh but, yeah these days on mirrorless yeah. you can push it up that's for sure yeah um but on your film camera you can't as as easily yeah totally makes sense and I mean light is like hot topic of course as it's like digital photographers we need to know about not that good compared to you because you need to guarantee that the photos are gonna you know turn out right so yeah what particularly are you paying attention to when you're shooting film you know we see light but how differently do you see light at that point yeah I first I'm always looking or asking myself is there enough light in this scene or in this frame um some you know typically natural light is what I'm looking for um sometimes ambient light works too but you know first thing I'm thinking is is there enough light if it's you know the middle of the day and it's no clouds in the sky sure there's probably enough light if I'm in inside and there's enough window light um awesome that'll that'll work too um so I'm, I'm just asking myself is there enough light for me to shoot film um and most film photographers that you may see or interact with have what's called a light meter Right. And it's the same thing that's in our cameras, but we use an external light meter because that is a little bit um, more accurate and you can, everyone meters light differently with the little light meter, but it's a little handheld thing. You kind of stick it in front of your subject or out in front of the scene and it'll tell you what settings to put your camera on according to the light. So. I'm asking myself, is there enough light in this scene? I'll meter the light. And I also want to meter, kind of see if the light is hitting my subject correctly. Um, and that, you know, can get a little tricky too, because like I said, if I'm shooting with a really, really fair skinned bride in her bright white dress, and then the groom, you know, say he's darker and has a black suit on. Yeah. Well, light, light is hitting them both very differently. For sure. So what I usually do is I always want to meter for what's darkest in the room because, or in the scene, because like I said, 
film, um, if you underexpose it, it's gonna be harder to save. So as long as I can make sure the darkest thing in the room that, that I'm paying attention to is well lit, then the rest of the scene should work out fine. So I'll look at the light, I'll meter, you know, closer to either that the shadows or the sh darkest person in the photo. Cool, the meter is telling me I'm at F4 at, I don't know, one, 250th or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. But then I'm also seeing like, am I backlit? Because if something's super backlit, I'm going to get, you know, silhouettes or something, um, side lighting, you know, front lit, all of that similarly is kind of in play. Um, but the main thing I'm looking at is, is there enough light to shoot this on film? And um, is the darkest thing in the room okay to be you know because my light meter could have told me you need to shoot at 2.0 and at one tenth of a second and I I can't do that you yeah know, what are I you gonna do with one tenth of a second yeah. right yeah. how do you so, compensate for that so for that I probably just wouldn't <laughs> I would okay. shoot it on film or I would adjust, <laughs> adjust the scene to like bring more light in or okay or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah so do you even ever like then use a flashlight if you're, you know, you want to shoot during a reception or something, or you're just going to be like, okay, now we're going digital. Yeah, I, I experiment there, depending on how I'm feeling, depending on how much time I have to try things out. So on a wedding day, lately, I've been having anywhere from like four to six cameras with me, um, both digital and film. Um, and so are you of, alone? <laughs> Wait, with um, all that, or you have a, a sh yeah. second shooter? Well, I'll have you know that many, and then my second shooter will have one or two on her. Wow. Um, because so many different cameras do different things. I have a little point and shoot film camera that has a little flash that pop, pops up. So if I'm, I use that usually during reception just for like fun dancing photos. It's just like a quick, quick shot, quick little flash pops up. Um, for my main digital cam, my main film cameras, um, I typically don't use a flash, but I'll set up a tripod if I really want to try like a long exposure, blurry kind of shot during the reception. Um, I did learn how to shoot flash with film at a workshop last year, but I didn't take enough notes or practice enough oh. to, um, feel really confident in it yet. Um. And then I have another little film camera that I can stick a flash on and fire away on that. But for the most part, as it gets later into the reception, um, I'm just shooting on my digital camera with the flash either on the camera or off camera flash. Okay, yeah. whoa. But other than that, like the process of on the wedding day, right? When you're working with film, for example, you're with the couple, I can imagine you'd need to kind of slow things down and really intentionally consider every shot that you take. Do you notice that difference? Are you just using like film for that? Or are you also doing digital for some more like fast paced poses or movements? Like what, what's your style? What's your process? Yeah. Um, definitely a bit of both. So yes, film, shooting with film has had me slow down immensely um, because each frame is 
two-ish dollars if you really think about it. Um, yeah, it's expensive. Film, yeah, developing it and all of that. So, and the price of film has gone up. So it may be even be 250 or $3 per frame. Um, mm. So I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to waste anything on this role. So let me make sure um, I'm seeing, I'm, you know, framing this really, really well. Nothing, no arms are cut off or, you know, heads are cut off or whatever. Um, and I'm just being more, more meticulous, but still in like an artistic and creative way. And it's a lot, I found that I'm, I'm waiting more when I have my film camera at my face. I'm waiting for that right moment with the kiss or the, that right moment um, when his hand is right where I, I see is like really, really special or when their laughter is just really perfect. Um, and that's when, that's what slows me down. That's what makes me just stop and think more about these moments and these pictures that I'm taking. Whereas with a, you know, with a digital camera, you can take 30 in a minute and one of them will turn out right. And that's, that's fine. That gets the job done too, but um, it's, it's just such a slower and more thought out process um, shooting with film. And um, there's a second part of that question that you asked yeah it was just more about like if you're also mixing digital while you're shooting the couple you know during yeah. that yeah. point yeah so I usually have like a you know a double harness camera strap one side is my film camera one side is my digital camera and um I'm kind of just hopping back and forth between both cameras if I see something I really like I, I want to make sure I get a frame or two on film and then I'll shoot a little bit more on digital. Um, but usually when I, similar to the, the first kind of story I told when I'm comparing the film and the digital, I end up really loving to deliver most of the film photos anyway. So if I have, if I took two of the same photo, one on film, one on digital, um, nine times out of 10, I'll like the film photo more. So I'll just delete the digital one and, you know, include that film shot in their, in their gallery. Yeah. So does that mean, okay, once you get the scans back from the lab, are you also editing your film photos? Like you're putting a mm -hmm. preset on it and making sure that both digital and film images like look similar as consistent as can be. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't put a, a preset on them um, because like I said, they look great just straight from the lab, straight from the scans. Um, what I'll, the only things I really change are sometimes the white balance is a little bit off. I'll make it a little warmer, a little cooler, um, or, you know, the tint of the photo, um, or I'll just add contrast. Um, but that's all I really touch on my film scans. So white balance, a little bit of tint, and then contrast. Um, and I use, depending on, depending on the photos, I'll use a digital preset on my digital photos that will kind of match as closely as I can. Sometimes it's like a great, perfect match. Sometimes it, it doesn't look nearly close enough, but most of, the, most of the time clients can't really tell and I'm fine with it not being like super consistent. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with the film kind of scanning out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So like in the gallery, pretty much they're, they'll be next to each other. You're not separating it saying, oh, no. these are your film. 
Yeah, I try to keep them all together. I only separate it on on a wedding gallery. I'll usually have one separate scene um, or one separate kind of folder in the gallery that's, I call it the fun film shots. And those are the just random um, point and shoot little right. fun ones that I took throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the process after the wedding obviously takes longer, right? you need to send it off to the lab, yeah. which I don't know, just mailing it in already. I'll be nervous yeah. <laughs> because you have like secure mail and you know, it's lab and all that stuff. But the point is um, it takes longer, the yeah. whole thing. So does that mean, do you do like sneak peeks for your clients with your digital or do you just tell them, mm -hmm. Hey, you're getting everything at the same time. And they already know ahead of time. Okay. They're going to wait. It's obviously worth the wait. How do you deal with it like after the wedding? Yeah, I do digital previews usually within a week um, because I, yeah, I want them to have some previews, even though the film shots, the ones that I'm really, really wanting to wait for and I want them to see are going to take much longer. Um, I want them to see some previews. So I'll send, you know, 50 or so digital previews after the wedding. And, um, and, and that also, you know, kind of holds them over while they're waiting for eight to 10 weeks for the rest of the photos to come in. Um, and yeah, and then I just, I try to send the film out the day or so after the wedding. Mm -hmm. um, I ship all my film to um, a lab in Alabama, which is, it's technically not very far from my house, but it takes, you know, with mail, it takes about two to three days to get there. And um, their turnaround time is about a week, a week and a half. I'm actually anxiously waiting for some film scans to come in today. Oh, yay. Um, yeah. And I might end up, um, a photographer I know told me that he actually does like rush processing on his film scans. So it costs more, but instead of waiting a week for film, he waits three or four days or something. Um, and I might start doing that if I kind of factor it into my pricing a bit, but um, I would love that because I get the film back faster and I can, you know, finalize the, the finished gallery faster too. Um, but yeah, it is very nerve wracking to send my film every time. I've only had one male hiccup where it took them, my, my film wasn't lost, but it was just sitting somewhere for like two weeks Ooh, and I would go to the post office I'm like guys the tracking number says it's here the tracking number says it's in transit two weeks you know one week went by two weeks went by and I was I was really scared I was freaking out that I that I lost a bunch of the film but eventually it got there um but that is the worst the worst part is waiting for the film to arrive at the lab and then waiting for them to send, send it back, back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But, um, you know, with all this, obviously, like you mentioned earlier, the costs go up for the clients. And I'm mm -hmm. sure some clients are wondering, hey, you know, why is it priced like this? Like, how do you educate your clients and tell them about the value? Like, are your clients already from the get go? They know you're a film photographer. They know a little bit why and then they're okay with the pricing or do you notice, oh, you have to, from the get-go, let them know what film photography is about, the mm -hmm. value of it. How, yeah, how does that work out for you? 
Yeah, I thankfully I haven't had to justify the price at all, um, except for once. And um, I I don't know. I, I just haven't had anyone really wonder about why does this cost so much. Um, and even when I talk about film um, in like a, a consultation, my clients are excited about it. They're like, oh, I've, I've heard of film or I love film or I really love the look of film where or we want to go with you because you shoot film. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe they just don't know it costs more. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they're just That's whatever awesome. about it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I haven't had to justify it. I also think I work, I'm getting to the point where I'm working with wedding planners that they understand film. So I think they're also educating clients of, you know, if you really like the look of film, the photographers are going to cost more on you know just right off the bat so maybe some of the wedding planners are doing the educating for me which is great um and even just going back to the one person that did kind of have a misunderstanding um that was only because she was maid of honor in a wedding that i shot years ago so she was getting married now and she was just wondering you know why does it what you charge so-and-so is different from, you know, the quote you're giving me now. And, I, and that's when I told her I'm shooting film now. And that, that does come with a higher price tag. I wasn't shooting film when I worked with her friend um, years ago, but yeah, it does cost more. It's takes more time, but the results are amazing and it's worth it for me. <laughs> totally makes sense. And I mean, that is why you were named one of the best photographers, right? <laughs> By Brides Magazine, which is amazing. So congratulations yeah. on that. Um, hey. I'm sure that was really good for your career. And yeah, how, how was that for you even hearing it, you know, when you learned, yeah. like, hey, wow, you got this honor. Yeah, yeah. well, at the end of 2020, I received that email um, about the brides.com nomination. And I truly, truly thought it was a mistake. I almost wanted to reply, hey, I think you have the wrong person. Oh, I come don't on. <laughs> think I'm supposed to be on this list. But then, you know, I just took it all in and I was shocked and humbled and amazed and grateful and all of all of those emotions. And then when I got the email again at the end of last year, that I made the list again. Oh, so it's twice. That yeah. So see, this, this was the second year. And that's amazing. Honestly, again, I was just it's like, there's no way. There's no way I made the list again. I didn't um, you know, even just in 2021, I felt I felt weird about my work all year, that whole imposter syndrome thing of mm -hmm. am I even doing anything right and I also had just a weird year personally and emotionally and so when I got the email again I was not as confused but I, I was just very I was shocked again um, but grateful um, and just the list of photographers on that made that list um, every time I look at I look at it I'm like how am I listed with all of these amazing people. And then, you know, I also know so many other photographers that I would have said they should be on the list and not me. Yeah, but, but that's also yeah. the imposter syndrome talking. I, know, I mean, I, I wish there was, of course, there is space for a lot more. Yes. But it's good to take it in. And yeah, you know. very, very, very grateful for it. And um, I, I'm, 
I'm grateful that it's, you know, it's just getting my work out there more because oftentimes now I do get inquiries and they say, oh, I, I saw you on brides.com. I saw you on this list. And it's just a cool, you know, pat on the back kind of thing. Cool yeah, acknowledgement, sure. recognition. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. And okay. So where would be like your dream location, venue, country, anything you'd love to shoot? <laughs> I want to put that out in the world for you. <laughs> uh, Let me yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, almost anywhere besides I don't do cold weather very well. Mm, <laughs> so I hear you on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite the like Iceland adventure elopement photographer, but right. Yeah. I mean, anywhere tropical and um I mean I can list just places that I've dreamed of I mean I lived in London for um like three months and I always will take an excuse to go back to London so mm. a wedding in London would be really fun maybe in the summertime um, or in the English countryside uh, places like Santorini Italy um, so good yeah you know, anywhere that's just warm and beautiful, Asia, you know, Bali or Thailand. Yeah. Um, definitely probably almost anywhere in Africa. A friend of mine just got back from Kenya and gosh, her photos from there were just amazing. Um, South Africa, Ghana. Um, if you say Ethiopia, you're always welcome to Ethiopia, my homeland. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful there. I mean, anywhere with culture and with warm weather, um, anywhere my client will take me, I will probably go. I mean, even if even if somebody did want me in Iceland, I would probably go and do that, but I would just have to bundle up. Oh, for sure. And the landscape is gorgeous. I mean, that yeah. would just be a different, like, to experiment I can imagine with those kind of elements you know mm -hmm. would be would be interesting so uh, before we wrap up I would love you like what advice do you have for photographers who are starting in film photography like in terms of like the first steps they might be taking or any lessons you have learned from your own experience what can yeah. you share so my advice for photographers starting out and getting into film photography is, it's just one of those things that you, you have to just do it. You have to just jump off the ledge and try it out and experiment. Just find, find any film camera, whether that's a little point and shoot that doesn't have any settings that you can change or a full on manual camera. Just find one that works, load it up with film, go out on a nice sunny day and different I'm really in, in any different lighting, but just shoot a roll and just see how it comes out because that's that's how you just kind of get your mind understanding the main difference between film and digital, which is you're not going to see the photo right after you take it on a film camera. So you just have to experiment, go out and shoot it, get it developed, and then, you know, live in that magic of like, oh my gosh, I took this or I forgot I took this, or that came out different than I thought it would, but you know, you just gotta experiment. And then as you start to learn more about um, shooting with film, that's kind of how you can ease more into like the little more complex types of films, like I said, with using a light meter or um, uh, 
having, you know, a different, like a, you know, with a point and shoot, it's very, you don't have to think as much, but with a more legit film camera, you, you do have to like think and frame and um, do a little bit more work. But yeah, overall my advice, just start with a role and, and if you're already an established digital photographer, my advice is just start bringing a film camera with you to every session and to every wedding. You know, start with just one roll and start bringing two, three, four rolls to every wedding and just try it out. And um, you're gonna make mistakes, but probably more um, awesome things will come out than mistakes. I hear you. And I know that you offer education for photographers. So plug every single thing you do because <laughs> they want to know, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm working on a lot of like a full on kind of like educational platform coming out this year. But for now, what I offer is kind of just the one on one um, coaching and mentoring, whether that's kind of like a Zoom setup of, hey, let's talk about your business for an hour and a half. Um, or I do in-person coaching sessions. So if someone wants to shoot film for the first time, I can teach them and show them in person. So both of those options, um, everything's kind of on my website at the education page, but soon I'll have downloads and freebies and um, even just more blog posts that talk more about film and talk more about trying it and being more educated on it all. And how about the course that's coming up? What's gonna be in that? Yeah, that's been in the works for years, hoping <laughs> it comes out soon, but I that will be more towards um, really just kind of like how to get your photography business to that next level. So if you're a newbie like I was in you know around 2014, um, kind of the steps to take to get more established, to get more clients, to get your prices where you want them to be, to learn how to run the actual business. Um, because for the most part, photographers are very creative and they understand the artistic side of things, but the business side of things doesn't come as second nature. Um, thankfully, it, it has come second nature for me and I really, really enjoy that. So I wanna help photographers level up their business um, all the behind the scenes stuff so that they can learn more. They can learn about photos, but learn that, learn how to run their business smoothly and, um, and make a profit and make a living. That's so good. So important. I love that. And your website looks gorgeous, by the way. I'm obsessed Thanks. with it. It looks really, really good. Um, <laughs> do you want to share, yeah, your website and your socials for people who want to sure. follow you? Yes. So my website, um, and most of my social handles are the same, but it's just, my website's www.kayac.com, which is K-I-Y-A-H-C.com. Um, so my blog's on there, my portfolio, um, and all the educational information too. And then my Instagram is just at kayac. And um, I've had that same handle for like 12 years since I've been on Instagram. So That's I just awesome. kept it kayac. Um, I have a Facebook page that I don't actually update anymore, but that's Kaya C Photography. <laughs> Who updates their Facebook page anymore? No. That is. <laughs> I, just, I just stopped. I didn't even bother. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. mostly website and, and Instagram. That's so good. Yeah. And I'm going to link it out in the show notes so people get in touch with you if they need you. And thank you so much for taking the time and like educating all of us, educating me. I feel like I have a better picture of what it's all about. And mm. hopefully I'll I'll be daring enough one day to give it a shot. Uh, it's, it's definitely super you. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, if you're already, if your wheels are turning and you're interested, like I said, just find find a film camera and find some film and try it out yeah take it to your next shoot or wedding or just when you're hanging out yeah yeah it's so good because I think for us wedding photographers at one point once you do it long enough sometimes it could be like kind of like you've seen it before Mm -hmm. and we need to keep things interesting you know, to keep us feeling more creative and excited. And I think that only serves our clients better as well. And not just us, right? It's really helped me look at photography and life differently with, as I've incorporated film. And that's also why I bring so many cameras because I'm like, this, this is going to, you know, tweak my eye a little bit differently if I use this camera or this is going to make me more excited um, than just shooting the same thing you know, every single wedding. Yeah. yeah. So good. And everyone, please check out her work because it is gorgeous. And thank you yeah. once again. Thanks so much. This was great. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of My Wedding Season, the podcast. To be notified as soon as a new episode goes live, make sure that you subscribe. I'd love for you to write a comment or leave a review. Let me know what you want more of. For the show notes, head on over to www.wedding-photography-podcast.com. Cheering you on and until next time.